Hi, this is Benjamin Charbit of Life Beyond Studios, building the feeling of a game with the stakes of reality. And I am here on the edge of NFT, the only game in town to get real Web3 content. Keep listening. Hi, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode to learn how the game director of Assassin's Creed is having in-game assets serve the player through the Web3 gaming ecosystem Life Beyond. Plus, how Counter-Strike propelled our guests from esports competitor to creator of one of the greatest gaming franchises of all time. And learn how a tokenized community-led platform can lead to a better internet and an awesome fest in the woods through friends with benefits. Finally, hear about Denari Labs' unique 12-week accelerator focused on tokenomics design, offering teams up to 200000 in funding. Oh, yeah. And there's more before we get started. We are launching a brand new podcast by August 2nd, 2023, dive into the captivating world of artificial intelligence with the Edge of AI podcast. Join us as we explore the frontiers of AI and its impact on our lives. You can subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn for exciting updates and insights. Don't miss our exclusive launch event on August 2nd in Venice Beach, California. You can get tickets today and be at the forefront of the AI revolution. The subscribe link is Edge of AI. Dot xyz forward slash subscribe our twitter handle is edge of underscore ai you can find us on linkedin as edge of ai and you can get tickets for that event at lu.ma forward slash edge of ai join us on the edge of ai podcast and discover the limitless possibilities of artificial intelligence we'll see you over there Welcome to the Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element of how Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. In today's episode, we spotlight Benjamin Charbit, the visionary CEO and co-founder of Life Beyond Studios, a gaming platform offering unparalleled immersion. Benjamin Charbit transitioned from high-profile roles in banking and private equity to the game industry, making waves as a strategic leader at Ubisoft and game director of Assassin's Creed Black Flag, inspired by Neil Stevenson's works. He became committed to creating an MMO that offers more than play, it offers life. A subsidiary of Animoca Brands since 2022, Glyph Beyond Studios previously, Darewise Entertainment, comprises an international team of game development veterans. They leverage the potential of online games to create social interactive experiences. Life Beyond Studios' flagship project, Life Beyond, is a gaming metaverse inviting players to establish a new civilization on planet Dolos. This sci-fi world blends a player-driven tokenized economy with NFTs, enabling players to shape their own roles in its society. The game embraces the open metaverse philosophy, marrying immersive experiences with digital societies, emphasizing true ownership and interoperability. Benjamin... Welcome to Edge of NFT. Thank you so much. I enjoyed listening to everything you were saying. Yeah. It's kind of like <laughs> daily affirmations. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm good enough. I'm smart it enough. It sounds great. Because you're working every day on this project. <laughs> you usually, usually don't take that much distance from it. And especially 
for us, we've been hard at work since 2018 now. So it's like our daily grind. And now I hear all that. I'm like, wow, this is what we're doing. This sounds so exciting. So thank you for that. Oh, it sounds exciting to us too. And as Ethan was reading all that, I was just reflecting on how different this is from what other folks refer to as the quote metaverse, right? Like the metaverse occasionally gets a bad rap for not being so immersive and sort of engaging and and allowing people to actually have this type of unique experience that sort of keeps them coming back. There's a lot of empty sort of dusty metaverses out there, but that's not going to be the case, I think, with Life Beyond. So really excited to dive in here. And before we do that, let's just start at the beginning. How did this concept for Life Beyond come about? It's this really interesting social tech society. Well, it's actually going to kind of resonate very much with what you were saying already, which is, as you introduced, we were all game developers coming, most of us from Ubisoft, having worked on these blockbuster games, mostly focusing on open worlds, games like Assassin's Creed, The Division. And back in 2017, no, actually, even earlier, 2014, I read my first book of Neil Stephenson, which was not Snow Crash. Sorry to disappoint your audience. It was first, it was Rimdi, where Rimdi was a fantastic thriller taking place. Most of the book takes place in an MMO called T-Rain. And so I read this book and I see the implication and the connection between the digital and the physical world. And I'm 39. I was born and quickly raised. I was brought up in this digital space before it became such a mainstream thing. I was on IRC. I was playing online game when I was 12, 13, 14. I made so many friendships over there, real one, meaningful ones, that for me, being kind of navigating between these two layers of reality was had always been kind of my daily life. And so reading this book really took me to like the next level. And I was like, wow, when I think of the MMO genre, maybe that's the next step. The next step is building these virtual worlds that can really meaningfully impact our lives, where we can come to play, where we probably come to play, where we enter in these worlds to play, but where eventually we grow, like we expand our presence there. We stay for other reasons. And rather than constantly being the hero, maybe now we can also be any other member of this society. So that's kind of how it started to grow in me first. And then, of course, sharing with the rest of my partners here who most of them come from the same generation, which is not really Gen Z. It's like more like an older millennial type who were all like, wow, yeah, we're all big MMO players. And if we could one day get to experience this, we'd be so happy. So that's the crazy challenge that we decided to tackle. So I'm just over the line of what you defined as your generation, but I'm excited about it. But I saw Richard nodding his head, and I think he's really excited about it too. Oh man. So I must say, not to geek out too much, Assassin's Creed is one of my favorite like lineups of all time. And Black Flag was the jump off point where things really start to go in the right direction. And it really aligns with everything you just said about not necessarily needing to be the main character or being able to have some identity and be able to do some things within that game and, and being the lead on that. I'm sure you had a lot of creative direction with that, which aligns perfectly. And I think that's really cool. And I also must say, shout out to Jalen. This is your favorite game of all time. Be jealous. I'll make sure to share this with you because this is sick. Yeah. But Web3 tech and blockchain allows for you to define identities in life beyond. Could you delve more into like how players can utilize these technologies to shape their in-game personas? 
Yeah, listen, the for us, the idea of blockchain is that now the relationship between the game, the game, the developers, the community is radically different. Before, there was a completely unbalanced power of the developer that could unilaterally make crazy decisions that sometimes you didn't really enjoy as a player. Now, of course, the bargaining power is completely different. The game has to serve the assets and not so much the assets have to serve the game. So us as developer, we have to serve this community, which also means that now this gives so many more opportunities for the players themselves to enter this world to play other roles than the very traditional, or I'm just going to walk around slaying dragons and slaying monsters. Not that we want to dismiss this part, because of course, a lot of us come for this. But how many players every year buy Farming Simulator and all of these other games where they can do so many different things, social, economic simulation, management gameplay. That's what we wanted to do. We wanted to create a world where we could bring all of these people together and offer them so many different gameplays. But all of these gameplays this time would be connected by this economic and social loop, which is basically the same thing as the physical world. You have a job, I have a job, and together, because of the free market economy, we can actually bring value to each other. So that's exactly the same idea, which also means that it's kind of a crazy project. It's bigger than with anything we've ever done before because it's many games together. And this is also where only Web3 development could allow you to do this. Because of course, we can't just focus on building this thing behind closed doors for like now, I don't know, it would be like six, seven, 10 years, and then eventually publish the game. Here, instead, we could onboard the communities, talk to very early adopters, different type of persona who want different things, and really start testing our assumptions on paper, sometimes with prototypes. So it's a radically different way of approaching it. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like a lot of responsibility. It sounds like a lot of big level perspective. It's very fascinating to consider and sort of a type project to take on with your colleagues, your friends. So within what you're doing, we have the hub and it's touted as a place for innovation, interaction. Sounds like one of our events, to be honest, IRL mm -hmm. events. Can you explain how this contributes to the player experience in Life Beyond? Yeah. So the hub is a good illustration of what I was introducing, which is Rather than, again, developing the game completely and getting to an alpha stage, we're building the game step by step. And it's more like every system is going to go through each of these stages of conception, pre-production, production, alpha, beta, what we call gold master when it's ready to ship. And the hub is this destination, which is right now the spaceship, where all of the players are stuck right now. We're orbiting around the planet. But this is basically the place where in this lobby, we invite everybody together. It's a social space, but it's also the place where we're going to keep introducing whatever we're developing. Sometimes it's a piece of lore. Sometimes it's a partnership. Sometimes it's a prototype. But it's this central destination, hence the hub, where you join. It's your gateway to the Life Beyond experience. So right now, it's pretty simple, but it's going to expand over time into much more of what we could even call a theme park because this is where you'll be able to kind of test and experience a bunch of things until we're able to finally really get into the proper game, I would say. 
Cool. So my mind immediately moves towards the moment where I learned that Game of Thrones had multiple different directors and similar with The Mandalorian. I'm really curious with The Hub and all these different sub games, if you casted different directors and producers for Mm -hmm. these things based on their personality, like, is there this ghoulish world where there's like the the person behind is a little bit darker, but still a cool person? (laughs) So that no for that would be a very interesting thing. The truth is every attempt that we have tried in this industry to replicate the movie industry into the gaming industry has always been a disaster. We've tried to have like executive production houses that would only ideate the game and then work with like a team of developers to make it never work. So I guess, of course, it's super interesting because the benefit of having multiple directors end up as a viewer to have multiple flavors still within the same lore. But for us, I would say the game development is such, it's a very different type of production that is usually closer more to like animation. And so I would not even know how to organize a development like that. Yeah, no, I was just curious. And that makes a lot of sense. Part of my naivete, but I wanted to at least ask. At the same time, obviously, community partnerships and having a lot of those are pivotal to the metaverse and in particular life beyond. I know you guys are leveraging community partnerships in some really interesting ways. Could you talk about how they're enhancing the game environment? So on so many different aspects, the first one, obviously, is we never wanted to build such a massive game in the shadow. So connecting with our community, getting feedback, but also getting desire was a very important part of the process. Of course, we have to be reasonable. It's not like we can address every single need, but we have built a very unique relationship with what we call our founders, for instance. So the founders are the holders of our founder key, which is our most premium NFT today. And for instance, I could tell myself and Vincent, our chief product officer, every two weeks, it used to be every week, now it's every two weeks, we host like a town hall with this community with the founders. And it's not like we come here to present something. We go there to discuss topics. Again, not because we want to keep them updated, but because with Life Beyond, we're building the playground, we're building the systems, but the life over there will be completely created by the players, by the individual players, by the player organizations. So we're obviously not building this game for ourselves, but for the community. So engaging this way very genuinely has always been a very important part of the process. The second reason is that, especially when you've been a AAA developer for some years, it's a little bit of a traumatizing experience because you're going to spend multiple years and it's never like one or two, even in the press when they say, oh, it takes two to three years to build a game like this. This is never the true story. It's more five or six or even more. And when it's a brand new IP, it can be eight to 10 years. So when you're doing this, I mean, Time is the most valuable resource that we have. So you want to make sure that you're just not completely going off track. So that's why we're really building this relationship with the community. And the next step for us is going to be to really have the how we're engaging, how we're onboarding, bringing this community to start creating its own presence in the world. You know, I really like that response. And it gives me a lot of hope for where Web3 Gaming and the metaverse is headed. A lot of earlier versions of Web3 games, unfortunately, wasn't building for where your hardcore gamers are coming from. And it 
does take years to be able to build the type of games that a lot of these gamers come and, and play over and over again to have that stickiness. But the other part of it that you spoke on was the community side by having these town halls, having feedback. If something sucks, tell me. And like, y'all are open to yeah. that. Or if you really like this thing, like, hey, let's talk about it. Let's have this be a back and forth and not like a one way, let me build this thing. And here's why you're going to like it. Like, tell me why these features make the most sense. And while you've been doing that, there's always like a defining moment for a project. What has been that moment for Life Beyond and why do you think it's significant? I think the first moment for us was, and that's crazy, it was in 2019 when we actually opened the game for the first time to test something. Because then it's also at the same time that we opened the Discord server and then we started having people coming in. And of course, it was very small at the time. And so we had this very, very strong connection with this small group of players who are still there several years later. And after so many iteration, throwaways, because it's obviously a very, this is what I was saying. The, we usually only see the last two years of development of a AAA game, but you have no idea what happened before and how many times you throw out your creative, your art direction, your creative direction, your narrative direction. You had this technical, technological obstacle. So this was a very strong moment, but I would say that there were several of these pivotal moments. Another important one, of course, for us was when we decided to move to the blockchain. Because when we started Life Beyond, it was a Web2 project, but it was a project that was designed from the get-go for ownership. Like whatever content you would have, whether it would be your vehicle, your equipment, all of this was supposed for us to be your property and you were totally entitled to do whatever you wanted with. We were just building a completely traditional architecture to give you this type of rights. Of course, when we pivoted to Web3, that was a big moment because especially with the defiance that some of the, our community members were experiencing at this time, we had a few movements, I would say, in the community. But a very interesting one, actually not that many drama. And again, something that because of the good level of transparency and communication really helped us getting even closer to some of our community members. Yeah, you mentioned just a moment ago kind of a sort of ownership, right? The sort of promise of true ownership that's going on in here. And of course, within a game like you're describing, this idea of agency, I think is really important to the users. They kind of want to feel like they can affect things. They can have a role, maybe even have credit for contributing to things. Could you get dive a little bit more deeper into what this entails and how it really manifests into this reality within the game? Yeah, there cannot be any innovation if there is no entrepreneurship. And entrepreneurship really is going to rely on you being able to do whatever you want in this world with the assets that you own so that you can just sell them, rent them, provide services. And of course, the beauty of smart contracts is composability. Because I think very often we think of smart contracts and NFTs as the digital property, right? Which is obviously a very important part of it, of the value proposition. But the seg- for me, what is even the most appealing part is composability. Our world is made of composability. Uber is an example of composability. You have a car, transportation service, and you create Uber. So it's the same in life beyond. The fact that you own this asset, and it's not even hosted on a central database, but on an architecture that we don't have any control over, means that in a complete permissionless way, anyone can start building services on top of the experience. So in the example that of composability, 
let's say you want to car rental service. Well, you can do that. If you own a bunch of cars, then you can create everything, the front end, the back end, the smart contract that's going to use your NFTs. And you can completely run without even messaging us. You can just run this whole service. So this is, for me, a game changer, especially coming from the MMO world where we were so limited in what we were able to do with our assets. It's exciting stuff. And I wanted to sort of touch on the roadmap, mainly for selfish reasons at this point. When do I get to play this darn thing? And what are the other sort of collaborations, partnerships, features that we should be on the lookout for? So the first question, which of course is burning everybody's lips all the time. Yeah, when I, play, I, when play. I feel right? you, my friend. <laughs> I like to ask the same question to the team sometimes. So we're going to keep pushing. So right now you can join the hub and you can play some of our prototypes. But as our community knows, we're rolling out a complete new art direction over the summer. The original art direction was very, I would say, cartoony, Fortnite-y a little bit, but also something that we could afford with the limited resources that we had back then when the point was just to prove the point. We were not really at this point in the heavy development. Of course, when Animoca Brands arrived, and that we joined them, then we became able now to completely deliver this level of quality, which we have been developing. So we're rolling out this art direction, which also means that we have some interesting things coming out, September, October, November. So you're going to be able to experience some parts of the game. It's not going to be massive, but it will give you a first flavor. And then we're going to keep doing this and this. I would say that we're going to use at least the rest of 2023 and a big part of 2024 before we're able to get into more like of a beta stage where now you have the full open world experience with a big focus of our first gameplay called Pioneering, which is really our the arrival on the planet. And now the first step before we can get to like a sustainable settlement. The second question that you asked was about the partnership. So first, a world like Life Beyond. When you build a world like Life Beyond or like GTA, for instance, you have two ways to do it. You can author everything or you can bring in partners and they can populate the world. There are content creators in a way. Of course, we're more interested by this opportunity rather than ourselves recreating every stakeholder, every entity of this world that makes it in the whole world building process. So what I can tell you, because unfortunately we haven't made these announcements yet, but we have some really massive things coming out. There is some like tier NFT communities that we're onboarding. There are some famous brands from the physical world. We're really playing on so many different tracks right now, steadily really building this world. So a little bit more patience, but we're talking about like a month or two and we'll have some major announcements to make. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for giving us the lowdown on what you guys are up to. Another Animoca portfolio company doing really cool stuff. Appreciate that. Appreciate all the years you've been putting in and glad to give you that sense of accomplishment that maybe helps every once in a while by reading a solid intro. You have questions about blockchain? Like how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? 
And does blockchain taste better, barbecued, or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore, because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them, and also train you in real-world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. <laughs> Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. Let's move on to the next segment. So next segment is our hot topics segment. And we're going to bring on another special guest for that named Drew Kaufman. So Drew, come on on camera and audio. Great to hello. see you. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Let me give an intro for you. Drew Kaufman of FWB, that is Friends with Benefits. He's a new kind of social network, or Friends with Benefits is a new kinds of social network made up of creatives and builders who believe in the promise of a better internet. I think, yes, we could make this better. I feel it was good. And then there was some degradation. And let's see where we can go from here. But yeah, welcome, Drew. I'm really excited to hear all about Friends with Benefits. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Benjamin, it was great listening to you. Back here on this bookshelf somewhere is Reem D, which is one of my absolute favorites. So now you have a fan for life and life beyond because we have an affinity for the same types of metaverse ideals. But yeah, I have been on my own sort of journey through Web3 and seeing our internet kind of turn into a much more on-chain decentralized internet. And FWB has really become my primary home for that. Uh, it's a community of artists and creatives and all types of different people who are really interested in coming together and thinking through what needs to happen to create like the next digital age that really creates a set of values that we think is lacking from kind of the Web 2.0 experience that we've had. So yeah, great yeah. to be here and thanks for having me. Yeah. And by the way, kudos on like reclaiming that term friends with benefits. I never liked that term as it was originally designed. It was really cheesy to say the least. And you guys have made it something really special and, and really a powerful brand in the space. I've known about FWB since the beginning. I remember from our early days of podcasting and bright moments, everyone was also talking about friends with benefit and it's not easy to build a tokenized community. And, and this is like your second fest, if I believe, right? And I wasn't able to make the first one because I was traveling. So excited to be coming this year with some of our crew, Audrey and Zach, and getting to experience a very special innovation festival. We tried to put a lot of Genesee Qua into our event. And I know you guys do as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what we can anticipate at the fest? Totally. Yeah. FWB started off as this token gated discord. And that's where a lot of people started meeting each other and having these real genuine conversations about the future of the internet and the future of art. And we really wanted to have a space for us to all meet physically. And that space ended up being this really amazing art campus in the middle of Idlewild, California, which is kind of in the Palm Springs area. And yeah, it's just this awesome 
very intimate experience of being around a bunch of like-minded people and talking about stuff that matters. Last year, there were these incredible talks by different people about how Uniswap was founded and how different music projects were embracing decentralization to figure out how to cross borders and figure out issues that were like stopping them from making their art in the different areas of the globe that they lived in. And also just a ton of incredible music acts because so many of FWB's members and its founder are really rooted in the music world as a whole. So yeah, we're getting really excited. It's coming up in just about a month. It's going to be our second time there. We went right back to Idlewild because we loved it so much. And it's an opportunity to touch grass, which I know not everybody who's extremely online, including myself, always mm -hmm. has the example to do. But yeah, as much as I love having these conversations in online spaces day after day, there is something about the physicality of seeing people in front of you and having those conversations and creating those IRL connections that's really important. So we're yeah. super excited about it. Sounds great. What do you think, Ben? Can we get you on a flight from Paris? Or you got a game you're working on. I hear that's taking up a lot of your time. I'm just the CEO. They do the hard work. Actually, I come to California so often that I would enjoy that very much. I was speaking at NFTLA this year out of rage. So I obviously spent a lot of time there. We have some great partners in California. Of course, it's a big gaming destination, whether it's San Francisco or LA. So Sure. Yeah. And I love the value proposition that you guys are putting together. So yeah, and I think it's an important thing. Sorry to interrupt you, but probably people start to get a little bit afraid of the metaverse, thinking that, oh, that would kind of alienate us from the physical world. We believe the exact opposite. We believe very much in bridging. We always talk about bridging these realities because for us, it's not like one is real and the other one is virtual. It's more like one is physical and the other one is digital. So of course, we care so much about being grounded on planet Earth, as well as being present in this digital layer. It's more about expanding than separating. So of course, I love the idea of connecting physically as well. Yeah. And one other thing that came to mind for me is the, the close synergy between the music world and the gaming world, right? I mean, some of the best games have the best music. And I just see those sort of two universes coming closer and closer together over time. Yeah, I agree. And Andrew, I know with what y'all are doing with this Innovation Fest, like one of the biggest pieces of this is the community. And you know, I, I know it, like even on the website, when you go there, it's, it's driven in over and over again. And you even started, like you said, as a token gated discord, but you've now formed a DAO. And what is that vision that you have for putting the DAO even further into the hands of the community? Yeah, that's a great question. FWB has been around since 2020. And I kind of joined randomly in the middle of 2021 without knowing anybody and started becoming more and more of a core contributor over time. And I think that that vision of the experience that I've had is the experience for what we really want FWB to be. It's a limited community. I think there's around 4,000 or 5,000 members. And we want everyone who's a part of the community to feel like they have true ownership over it. So Fest is a really cool way for us to all be together in person. And we want to use that as a space to rethink what the roles of being a core contributor to FWB looks like, what it looks like to submit a proposal to do different types of work or spend the Dow Treasury on the type of art that we want to make. And we've seen that over the last quarter and over the last year. And I think it's time for it to be even more radically front and center for FWB. It's like you brought that up, that 
the friends with benefits term has been around for a long time and it's sort of being repurposed for the DAO, which is both a joke and not a joke. Everybody who is a friend in friends with benefits has benefits that they can bring to the table. And I really love the idea of DAOs and decentralized organizations of any shape, really recognizing that everybody has something to offer and something that they can contribute. And we want to be one of the people who pioneer that idea and make it very clear. That's great. Yeah. I think too, if you really dug deep into people's souls, everyone out there, everybody just wants to be able to contribute something. We often think of others as selfish or inner focused, but it's only the degree that they know they have something inside and they want people to recognize that that there's value there. So that's wonderful. You guys have the FWB app. This is exciting. What are the features there? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Totally. Yeah. I think a lot of people who have been in Web3 for the last few years may have been suffering from Discord fatigue over the last little while. I know that I was. You just kind of started joining more and more and more and more of them over time. And then you felt like completely overwhelmed by the amount of Discord servers that you were in. Maybe I'm projecting. Maybe other people feel the same way. And we also realized that when we went to Fest last year, we saw a lot of faces that we just weren't seeing in a regular basis on the Discord. And some people are not the type of people that want to be on Discord every day. They might feel a little more interested in like an Instagram experience. They might feel way more offline. And we just wanted to create a space that felt very much akin to the type of social network that we were trying to create. We really see FWB, the community, as being the social network. And it just really needed a platform for everyone to be together. So yeah, we've created our own sort of experimental prototype social network app. It looks very similar to an Instagram or a Twitter in terms of being able to post there. You can only post there if you're a member of FWB. So there's a sort of layer of privacy that I think is really interesting and unique compared to how you feel when you post something sort of for the entire world to see on Twitter and Instagram. And then we also have like governance features and events and all kinds of stuff sort of piped into the app. So we're constantly doing global events and you can use that as your way to get into the events and see what's going on. And we're just going to continue building it out really based on what we want, what the community wants. And so there have been features that people have been like, we don't like that feature and that gets removed. And there have been things that people say, man, we really need to see that exist and it gets added. And it's been really interesting to see a community owned platform take shape really based on what they are asking for without any other sort of requirements being built in. Well, yeah, that's exciting and really honored to be part of it. I should mention that this segment is part of a media partnership. So we'll be doing some coverage before the event, at the event, maybe turn some content to a future podcast. So appreciate that partnership and the chance that we're going to give two tickets away to our community. Thanks so much for your generosity there as well. So we'll have an upcoming campaign there. But for those that want to learn more about FWB and maybe get over to the woods with us, where do they go for more information? Yeah, just go to fwb.help to learn more. And you don't have to be a member of FWB to come to FWB Fest. So it's a really great way to learn about that type of community and check out all the partners that are coming, including Edge of NFT. It's really cool to see a community of communities gathering together out in the middle of the woods to build a better internet. But yeah, learn more there. Very cool. And in essence, Edge of AI will be present as well. So we'll bring our, I don't know if you're aware, but we'll be launching the Edge of AI podcast here by August 2nd. And so we've got an AI presence in our veins now. So it'll be fun to bring that to the table as well. Thanks, Drew, for spending some time with us. And we'll see you, I guess, in less than four weeks. Check you later. All right. We got one more hot topic we want to just delve into independently here. 
this is a hot topic that, that should be interesting to explore. So let's get into it. Denari Labs is a bespoke tokenomics-focused accelerator launched by advisory firm HLV, Horizon Labs Ventures, and investors at RBV, Red Beard Ventures. Josh, tell us a little bit more. Yeah, we know these folks really well, and they've all been leaders in the space, working on some really innovation-ill projects and pushing the envelope in addition to sort of deploying dollars. And so they wanted to start this accelerator in the current market because I think now is the right time to build, and we really commend that. It's a 12-week intensive remote program focused on tokenomics design, go-to-market strategy, liquidity, legal considerations, which are really important, community building, and much more. And there's actually going to be design sessions, lots of speakers, and interactive token design workshops over the duration of the program, culminating in a demo day with investors. So really cool media partnership that we have with these guys as well. And looking forward to seeing what happens. And I think, Richard, you have some more details for us. Absolutely. So if you use this link to learn more and you can apply it to the cohort, you just go to denarilabs.xyz. That's D-E-N-A-R-I-I-L-A-B-S.xyz. And things that you can watch out for with Denari Labs includes the cohort applications that are live until July 31st. So your deadline is to get it done by July 31st. Denari Labs is offering teams up to 200,000 in funding. That's right, 200,000 in funding and tokenomics design support. And the cohort is going to kick off mid-September. Awesome stuff. Well, yeah, it's always good to see stuff like this and be able to apprise the listeners of cool opportunities. So let's close that one out, though. Anything else to say, guys? I know Richard and Josh have been interacting with us, guys. All right. Really good stuff. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com It's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe, It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. Let's head on to the next segment, which is Edge Quick 
hitters. This is going to be a fun one with Ben. I'm sure you've got a lot of cool stories from your background and present that we're going to love diving into. Edgewick hitters, it's a fun and quick way to get to know you a bit better. There are 10 questions. We're looking for just a short, single, or few word response, but you can feel free to expand if we get the urge. Are you ready, Ben? All right. I'm scared, but I'm ready. He's scared, but he's ready. I love it. True entrepreneur. Question number one, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? That's an easy one. It's an easy one because I remember very well as a child, it was a video game. I wish it was something more fun, but I remember like I was probably like five or six with the Nintendo Entertainment System that I got for Christmas with the Mario Bros. at Duck Hunt. I remember that I got this. So that was not the one I purchased. It was too expensive for me. But I remember an uncle, because my birthday is early January. So just a few weeks after, I remember this uncle giving me, a, they were francs back then, of course. And I, that's what I did with it. Of course, I probably bought candies before. But the first thing I bought, I went and I bought TMT. Remember? Nice. Ninja Turtle. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> game that traumatized me traumatized me <laughs> that's awesome have you gotten into the chiptune music where they take like nintendo game sounds yeah. like from the old systems to make music out of it it's amazing if you haven't <laughs> checked it out you should like again you have to be from this generation otherwise yes it doesn't really resonate yeah well it gets to be unfortunately retro for the next generation <laughs> yes <laughs> all right question number two what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life so it's related because back then, I don't know if you guys had this habit, but you had this small store, one shop. No, I was not living in Paris. I was in the suburb of Paris. So we had in this small town, we had a store and I would just buy games and sell games. So that's how I funded the next one. I was saving a little bit of money. And so yeah, I was really into gaming super young, super early. So yeah, I think it's probably like, as far as I can remember, First thing that it was selling, yeah, yeah. Maybe probably for a wow. long, long time. It's oh, it's really uncanny. It's fun to do these type of questions. You get to see those trends. It's always something like just deeply connected with the person is doing that present. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Because now, when you take a little bit of distance, you're like, oh, this whole thing makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think and you need to work some teenage mutant ninja turtles into yeah. oh, no, 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 uh, no, no, beyond. No, no. This no? is a like. Uh, actually, I can tell you guys there is a fantastic device that you can find in Amazon which sells you, it looks like a Game Boy and it has all of the games. Right. And it is on it. And honestly, I had Nightmare. I played a little bit. Nice. I yeah. I owned those three games too in the early days. A little bit of childhood nostalgia coming back. And let's see what happens next. What is the most recent thing you purchased? Oh, guess what? Yesterday, I actually bought a game. I bought Zelda. <laughs> Nice. Oh Zelda my gosh, nice. that's too much. For, this for is, what? I'm getting, I'm going to like, yeah. But it's crazy because I hadn't bought a game for a long time. <laughs> Turns out my wife and my kids have been away on vacation. So I was like, great. Finally, I have a bit of time to really get myself into a game that's going to take, you know, many, many hours. So I went to the big department store and I bought Zelda yesterday. Nice, nice. Well, I have a confession. During the long weekend, I got hooked on another really interesting blockchain game, NFL Rivals. Have you played that oh, one yet? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. From, from Mythical, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, what a fun game. Very different than what you're building, but super addictive. And 
my team already is highly upgraded and I may or may not have spent quite a bit of money in that marketplace already. Well, so big, big shout out to the mythical team. We know them very well and we love what these guys are doing yeah. on so many different fronts. So congratulations to them. Very cool. With this interoperability, maybe we got some sort of football metaverse <laughs> experience at some point. What is the most recent thing you sold, Ben? You know what? The truth is, I am in this time of my life where now I don't really sell things. When I don't really want to use them anymore, I usually give them. And it's my way of contributing a little bit. So I give like clothes mostly. And I don't feel like I need to sell them unless, of course, it's something of an insane value. But recently, I give a lot of clothes. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome, man. And with doing that, though, you kind of talked about like possessions, but what would you consider your most prized possession? I guess it's my flat. <laughs> That's probably the biggest investment that I've done. But it's funny because over the years, I'm less obsessed with owning than I was before. I'm more obsessed with like the ability that I have with it. So of course, I bought a, a few NFTs and I didn't sell any. I'm still like a big holder for now because I was not trying to make any money out of it. I was more interested in like the community or the potential utility that I would get from there eventually. So I'm still very much of like a holder when it comes to the NFT. And I don't care so much about owning things in general in life now. I have kids and kids really change your perspective in so many different aspects of your life. Oh, for sure. So you heard it here first, everyone. He is a diamond hands holder and is in it for the long haul. And it makes sense why you're building games in this Web3 space. But if there's anything in the world that you could buy, digital, physical, service, experience, et cetera, that's currently for sale, what would you purchase? So if it was for sale, I think I would love to get like a ticket to go to space, to explore something if I could afford this. It's probably one of my wild dream right now to, to get in, to get out of planet Earth and experience something new. That's great. I do have to say we've had that often. And then our favorite yeah. version of that probably is the person who had that foresight to say, well, you know what? I think I'm going to buy the spaceship. So think about that. When you get the next chance to buy something, great. Go ahead and buy a spaceship and like a pilot and stuff. Yeah, but then you, you have want. to take care of the maintenance. Where do you park <laughs> it? You know, it's like, if you take me in the spaceship, I'm very flat. happy. The flat is no. <laughs> All right. Next question. Question number seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? I would say my resilience. I was also thinking generosity because... I think it's something that has grown into me over the years. But maybe if I think of from a generational standpoint, resilience matters, especially with the world or the future we're facing. And it proved to me to be probably the one of the most valuable personality traits that my parents taught me because I really took it from them and it really helped me. And life has become so much easier when you have this, because especially as an entrepreneur. It's always a rocky road, but when you have this, just another hit and then you step, you get back on your feet. So I think it makes your life much easier when you have this. That's great. Yeah. I remember there's been times in my life where I've been a teacher of various types of students from university to technical skills and things like that. And I remember some key moments where you had like a timed exam, right? And the a student would be trying to do it. And let's say they had like 15 minutes to do a task or something. and Five minutes in, something happens and they get discouraged and they go, all right, well, it didn't go well. And just teaching someone to be like, there's 10 minutes left. What are you going to do? Like, just keep going. 
It's true. And it takes so many years to build up this type of traits and kind of getting your tougher skin. But it's something that I really hope I will manage to transmit to my kids so that hopefully they can get it much earlier, much earlier than I did. And maybe their life will be, it's not about making your life easier. It's maybe it's more about more enjoyable and you keep fighting and you're less hurt when things are difficult. Yeah. There's optimism there too. All right. Question number eight. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? <laughs> My impatience. Because that's definitely something that I'm trying to deal with constantly. I'm working on it. But time, I don't know about you guys, but for me, time is like, it's always a big source of anxiety. It's this thing that I can never buy back. I can never get it back. You know, it's gone. So I'm usually quite impatient. I want things to happen now. And it can be a quality, of course, but it's also sometimes a burden. Yeah, especially when you're building a game that has like eight-year roadmap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's my daily struggle. I hear that. Well, this is probably a little bit less of a struggle. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? Oh, I had a great dinner. Well, shout out to him, Hervé Laren, who's a really OG of this space. It was in France for a few days, and we had a great dinner together. Is someone who's been very active in the space, advising a lot of companies. You were talking about uh, Horizon Lab Ventures. He works very closely with them. So we were having a very good moment. So shout out to you, my friend. Very cool. And what are you going to do next after the podcast? What time is it in Paris? So it's 11.30 p.m. right now. So probably going to head out home and go to sleep because I'm an early riser. So usually I check out not too late. Yeah, yeah. understood. <laughs> Go ahead, Richard. No, I was going to say, I feel you on that, man. I'm the same way. I happily wake up early as I start nights getting a little bit later. Which is not a gamer behavior, by the way, because at all. You know, if you play online games, you usually want to play You play late because if I start at 6 a.m. and I'm looking on servers to play with other French people or people in Europe, I feel very lonely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's probably what Yeah. It definitely do a little bit of the gaming to wind down before going to sleep, but... Richard and Ethan keep me on their toes because they're in two time zones over from me. So I appreciate the tension mm -hmm. there. Richard, do we have a bonus question today? We do. We have a couple for you. And the first one is staying on the gaming topic. So, of course, being a hardcore gamer and you're there for a long time, you eventually get hungry. So when you're binge gaming, what is your go-to beverage and snack of choice? It's terrible because you catch me at the time of my life when I'm so boring. I'm 39 now. So getting close to 40. Having young kids, it's like I used to have such an unhealthy lifestyle. So I would have, I've told you, soda and eating all kind of crap. And now it's like I drink water, I eat fruits. So it's super boring now. If I play a game because I like to have a hot drink, I might be drinking like a herbal tea. This is where I am today at 40. What, an, what an achievement. Well, I got one yeah. for you. Everyone has that one game that they've spent an ungodly amount of their life just playing. Oh, yeah, that's an easy what one. was that game for you? It's Counter-Strike, man. It's insane. So I was an eSport player. That's kind of how I got my job at Ubisoft because I worked as a banker, but when I met the CEO of Ubisoft and I told him that I was an eSport player many years ago playing Counter-Strike, that's how he was like, what are you doing here? Come and join us. And that's how my whole journey in gaming started. Counter-Strike, it's a game that I don't know. I'm never over it. From time to time, I just need to go back and turn on my computer. I still have like a pro gaming mouse that I never use, but sometimes I just take it out of the drawer and I just play. 
And it's going to take me like for one or two weeks and I get addicted. And then I'm like, okay, it's anyway, I'm not, it's just, I don't have the cognitive skills anymore. It's over. But that's definitely the game that it's been a game changer in my life. This is how I connected with so many folks of the online gaming community in Europe and in France and in Europe. It really had a massive impact on my life. I know for some people it might sound ridiculous, but it really did. And in a positive way, not in a negative way, in a positive way. Very cool. Yeah, it's fun to hear all of the vicissitudes of your gaming journey here. All right. So that's probably a wrap here on the episode. But first, we want to do a quick shout out from you. So anybody come to mind that you think you might like to give a little bit of a shout out to out there on the socials or something? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, first, we have a great scene here in France, and I'm very excited to see how it's developing. But the first shout out for sure is to my team. Even though we're not going to tag all of them individually on social, but the Live Beyond team, the Animoca Brands group, which is really doing something fantastic for the space, beyond investing, what Yatsu is doing, evangelizing, promoting, and really always thinking about how all of this can make the world a better place. And it's very interesting. And we're trying to all operate in this way. So big shout out to my folks, of uh, my friends here at Live Beyond Studios and at Animoca Brands. And of course, the Blockchain Gaming Alliance, because we're trying to push the boundaries together, even though it's not super easy, because as you might have seen, a lot of people are acting or thinking very negatively about Web3 gaming from the, coming from the traditional gaming world. And it's going to take a little bit more time to show them all of the benefits. But first, we need to build these really kick-ass games. Yeah, I love that last shout out. We're also second year members of the BGA and they're so passionate about the space. It's really awesome that Sebastian started that. For those that don't know, Sebastian's the co-founder of Sandbox and it's really his passion project to bring everyone together in the blockchain game. Absolutely. Awesome stuff. Well, that concludes most of the show here. We're going to do a closing outro and make sure folks can know where to learn more about you and the projects you're working on. Where would that be? So Twitter, of course. With Life Beyond, we're on Discord, very, very active. This is where all of the conversations happen. And if you want to know more, of course, you can find me on Ben underscore Charbit, C-H-A-R-B-I-T. I like to give my views from time to time on what's going on in the industry and in general in the Web3 world. But come over and we would love to welcome you all on Discord. It's a very, very welcoming community. It's great. It's a place where it feels good to be. That's great. All right. We also have some giveaways going on. Yeah. And I've got a generous list here I'll read through and folks can look out on the socials for details. So we've got a Life Beyond Founders Key NFT, one of those, a Life Beyond Agent Zero Jacket NFT, one of those, and then a Life Beyond Hoodie, one of those. And also allow list spots for the next Life Beyond NFT mint. We're going to have five of those. So very generous. Thank you so much. Anything else to say about that or just tell people to look out on the socials? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So the Foundry Ski is really like the most premium NFT that we have minted so far. It will give you a lot of things. But the most important thing is that with the Foundry Key, you will get a land in Life Beyond, in Dolos. So when we'll arrive on the planet, you get your first plot of land and the land is going to be the base of so many other activities. So that's a great thing. The live, the Agent Zero jacket is a really cool piece of wearable that is connected to a very unique lore as well and will provide some very unique abilities in the game. And then who doesn't like hoodies? Who doesn't like swag? 
it took us so long to find the right one, the right design, and they're really kick-ass. They're awesome. So uh, very happy to start giving away some to our community. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much. Well, we have reached the outer limit at the Edge of NFTs 4 today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends, recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us, say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective of deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.